You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us. Welcome to the Sacred Collective. I was trying to find my notes and they're not on my phone. I don't know if it got deleted. However, uh, welcome to the Sacred Collective. We're going to do roll call. I'm Caleb. Brian. Joshua. Kayleen. And Amanda's in the other room. She might join us. Um, but yeah, so we're here and we're going to talk about um, everything is meaningless. And I kind of heard this through some of the other progressive podcasts I listen to. They, they've been kind of talking about Ecclesiastes in a way, but everything is meaningless. But I thought it would be really kind of kind of a cool idea to talk about everything is meaningless. Kind of dealing with Ecclesiastes, the book of Ecclesiastes, um, in the Old Testament of the scriptures. Um because I feel like if you read that book, if anybody doesn't know Ecclesiastes, it's part of what is called the wisdom literature, which deals with, um, in the Old Testament, uh, it deals with Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. Is Job in there? I think Job's in there. In the Maybe. wisdom books? Yeah. yeah. Job and Song of Solomon. Um, the wisdom of Solomon. Yeah. Which is not canonical, but it's Catholic. And then uh, one, uh, what are the other ones from the Apocrypha? That are wisdom in the literature. Is it Sirach? Yeah, the book of Sirach. Book of Sirach. Um, I'm really kind of mad that I can't find my notes because is Enoch in the Apocrypha or is that extra? That's extra canonical. Extra canonical. I don't know what happened to them. Um, maybe we're just gonna wing it then because I had it and maybe I deleted it. Um, we can easily talk for an hour and a half, no problem. Yeah, I guess. I guess one yeah. of my questions that I had with. And what I find what's interesting about Ecclesiastes, um, first of all, growing up in the church, in the tradition that I have, most of us are, not most, I shouldn't say that, a lot of us were are evangelical. I know Caleb and I were, Josh, you grew up Catholic, but then... You always point that out. You, 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 you've said it a lot, so I'm not going to, I don't feel bad. But then you converted to... For some re- weird reason, off. this is too noisy. You turn to evangelicalism, and then, and Kayleen, you're um, Lutheran. But I never. Do you want to turn off the light too? The green. Um, I never. What's the light? Just kidding. The other one. The lights off is fine. This is real and raw. Um, I'm just turning off the fan because it's too noisy. Unedited, so you're you're literally. Play by play of what's happening in our apartment. This is real life. What if um, this is all scripted? That'd be cool. That would be great. For about two and a half months in Minnesota, the weather is unbearably hot, and I hate it here. Yeah, when it's this hot. Right. It is, that's it is, why I live here because the rest of the year it's pretty it's normal. Freaking cold. Awesome. Yeah. Or breezy. Like the only breezy. person that I've heard say that. So. Then fuck off and move. I. I <laughs> It's that easy. I'm not, I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you. Listen on that. To I'm just Josh. saying that I'm sad today. Whoa! You're the only kill person. yourself. Whoa! 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 That just wow, got dark. That, that, <laughs> that just got a little dark. It's called yes and. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Well then. <laughs> getting back to Ecclesiastes. I digress. It's called heightening. I digress. No, but it, what I find is interesting about Ecclesiastes. It was written. I was looking this up today in some of my commentaries. Ecclesiastes was written twenty-five to four, four thousand 
BC. So 2,500 to 4,000 years before Christ. Oh, so like 1,000 years after God created the universe? or uh, If you're a young earth creationist, yes. If you're not a young earth creationist, then no. Uh, whatever your fancy is. So like apparently Caleb's a young earth creationist. Yep. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, but... I think what was interesting about wisdom, about Ecclesiastes and wisdom literature, I can understand within wisdom lit that you have Song of Solomon, that's a very sexualized book, and there's a lot of wisdom in that book. Also with Job and the Psalms and Proverbs, there's a lot of wisdom in there. I, I There is a lot of wisdom in Ecclesiastes, but what I was talking to Caleb off Mike and others too was that in a lot of ways, Ecclesiastes is very, it's very dark and very, let's just say it's nihilistic in a lot of ways, where there's like no hope, there's no, uh, I guess, positive spin, because I would say in a lot of, in a lot of the scriptures and a lot of the Old and New Testament, there's some sort of like hope or positivity at the end of it, and Ecclesiastes, it seems... Like there's not, and I was in studying for this. Um, there's over 37 times in the book of Ecclesiastes that they say throughout. I think it's, I want to say 12 or 14 chapters in Ecclesiastes that over 37 times it says there's nothing new under the sun. And obviously, if you know anything about literature, whether it's holy scripture or not, when the author write continually brings up a point obviously that means something to them they're trying to get a point across so in such a short book like Ecclesiastes when the author is attributed saying there's nothing new under the sun 37 times he or she is trying to get a point across of that there's nothing what we do as humans that's new under the sun 37 times I thought that just for food for thought was really interesting and I remember looking through these questions that have mysteriously left my phone. But one of the questions that I had, which I thought was interesting, is, is there actually a point to life? And that's like a good existential question. Maybe it gives us some dread. But, and this isn't, doesn't necessarily need to be religious, but really when we look at it, at, at the question, is there whether epistemologically, epistemically, whatever, uh, a meaning to life. Well, like, what's the whole point of what we're doing here in life? So, I found this little thing here about Ecclesiastes. Says, in Ecclesiastes, three different relatively disturbing themes are explored, all of which attempt to show that this life, at least as we know it and, and live it, is meaningless. First, the march of time. The idea that time progresses forward and eventually all are forgotten. Second, we're all going to die, no matter what, no matter how uh, moral we are. Human beings are destined to die. Finally, it's that life has a random nature. Sometimes misfortune strikes good people, wise people, and sometimes fools are rewarded. However, all these dark themes are meant to portray a much brighter message. I think this was written by an optimist. It's the last part. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I would be fine saying all of that without saying, but it's a brighter message. Right. So that's just trying to sell something. Yeah. I think asking that question implies 
Like, is there a point? Is there a purpose? Implies that there is an author who decides what a point or a purpose is. Sure. Like, is there a purpose? Okay, we can say there's a purpose in me eating food to stay alive. Is that a purpose? Okay, sure, yeah. Is there a purpose? Well, yeah, I go to work so I can make money, you know, to have a roof. So I guess that's a purpose. But, like, do I personally... I, I Well, I guess even just casting aside my own opinions... It just it's it seems to really just beg the question. I mean, I, I, I love I really do like Ecclesiastes quite a bit, but I, I, I think to ask, well, does that mean that there's not a purpose? I think that's just begging the question. Well, like, is there a, an author behind every even, even if you believe in God, but you don't believe in an interventionist God? You know, it's, it's implying like that. Oh, there's a is there someone uh, orchestrating and authoring? Every event, or like, or even defining what purpose is, or like that, or, or or if you failed, or completed, or succeeded, you know, in in a defined purpose. You know, I I can move through life trying to be a decent person to help and trying to help people without having to hope, or without being convinced, I guess that that there's an author. But yeah, well, it's asking the question like, what's the meaning of life? Is a is a strange. It's it's a it's a really forced question. Yeah, you know, like yeah. it's easier to ask: Are there meanings to life? Are there? That's you know? good. That's or good. is there yeah. meaning in life? But asking, can you or do you create meaning to life? That's good. But asking the question: What is the meaning of life? Is kind of what's well, it's it's like an angsty teenager. Yeah, you know, listening to like the Smiths in their bedroom, wondering if life's meaningless. You mm-hmm. know, like right. Um, <laughs> I think making making sense it. of meaninglessness is like its own Yeah, that's a good point. Its own What's the meaning of meaning? Its own discipline almost. Mm-hmm. And and making sense of meaninglessness is is difficult mm-hmm. because people don't we're not we don't grow up that way. Mm-hmm. We don't grow up to think of things as meaningless. Mm-hmm. Where I see thousands of interactions that happen all the time as meaningless. And I'm fine with that. I do things all the time that are meaningless. I check sports scores. Absolutely meaningless. I watch football games. And I I mean, it's just what kind of pleasure do you want in your life? So different pleasures have their places mm-hmm. in your life. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a postmodern or you know, it's it's an existential question and I think the postmodern answer is like you said, Josh, creating your own meaning. Yeah. You know, or deciding what to engage in because to you there is meaning in well, that. Creating a life that you can live with that you find meaningful is more important than knowing some secret about the meaning of all of reality, you know? Because um, if you knew the meaning of all reality, like, could you convey it even? Mm-hmm. And if you like, if you could, you'd probably sound like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. And I, maybe this is me even being presumptuous and anthropomorphizing... Because I don't want to say the divine or God. Let's say... Just trying to... Because I'm just trying to keep it basic and simple... Maybe I'm anthropomorphizing a theoretical author by or proposed author by saying like, well, who made that meaning, or what made that meaning, what decided that meaning? Because we as humans make decisions and have personalities and have preferences. If I were a god, or if there were a an anthropomorphized god, then a meaning would be a preference, right? Like I prefer this to be the meaning, or I prefer that to be the meaning. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that definitely clashes with like evangelical assumptions about the way the world is. And we kind of touched on it with Mark's podcast. Like people are trying to understand 
the Bible like a supercomputer. Hmm? Like they have it memorized right. so that then they can apply it when that's not what it's intended for. So like we have all these different meaningful touch points in our lives, whether it be family and friends, and maybe those things add to the meaning of our lives. Sometimes they take away depending what kind of relationships you have with those people. Because I mean, definitely people who you love the most can hurt you the most. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, so that's one of those unfortunate Boy. things about life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. To be truly vulnerable is also mm-hmm. to be truly mm-hmm. vulnerable. Yeah. I wanted to read this because um, I think I've always struggled with Ecclesiastes. I've always, I've always loved Ecclesiastes because it's a book. I mean, how many times you go to a service, and regardless of denomination, that when you go to said service, you never hear a book. You never hear a sermon preached out of the book of Ecclesiastes. We know it's in our holy scriptures, but you usually hear, oh, it's in Genesis, or it's in Exodus, or Job, or you hear, you know, in the Gospels, and or one of the epistles, but you never really hear Ecclesiastes. And so this is Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 12, and just let's maybe dissect this if we can, because I think it's quite interesting. So it starts out, these are the words of the quester, or I would say Koholith, David's son and king in Jerusalem. Smoke, nothing but smoke, that's what the quester says. There's nothing to anything, it's all smoke. What's there to show for a lifetime of work? A lifetime of working your fingers to the bone? One generation goes its way, the next one arrives. But nothing changes, it's business as usual, for old planet Earth. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. Then it does it again and again, the same old round. The wind blows south, the wind blows north. Around and around and around it blows. Blowing this way, then that, the whirling, erratic wind. All the rivers flow into the sea, but the sea never fills up. The rivers keep flowing to the same old place, and then start all over and do it again. Everything's boring, utterly boring. No one can find any meaning in it. Boring to the eye, boring to the ear. What was will be again. What happened will happen again. There's nothing new on this earth. Year after year, it's the same old thing. Does someone call out, Hey, is this new? Don't get excited, it's the same old story. Nobody remembers what happened yesterday and the things that will happen tomorrow. Nobody will remember them either. Don't count on being remembered. Is that New Living? What is that? That's the message. I was going to oh, say. Oh, I was going to say. That's because I don't hear meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. And it, yeah. it says under the sun in the translation I'm familiar with. It says on the earth. That's kind of. That's interesting. Yeah, that, I, I can that's see like, where that was coming from. That's like the origin of rock and roll right there. Smoke, smoke. No, that, like, oh, that right. passage. Like, yeah. It's like before they had rock and roll music, kids like used to sit in their bedrooms and like read that. Right. Like, see? Emo kids. <laughs> Give a shit, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Take care of the pigs. <laughs> I better take care of the pigs. That's that's the the emo album. Why would I till the farm, Dad? Look, uh-huh. what, look what the Lord taught. Right. <laughs> See, that's interesting. That's a good segue into, into one of the questions that I remember that you did write down that you told me before we started recording, Brian. Is if the and I promise this will wrap up. I have I have a direction. It's, good, it's fine. If this if scripture is inerrant in an ab, in a fundamentalist sense, then everything is meaningless. And we have this book that's saying everything is meaningless. Uh, if, if you say scripture is inerrant, and this kind of uh, negates itself, I think, 
saying it's inerrant in that it's true to the author at that time. Well, any writing is inerrant then, because anything is true to the author at that time if, if they're writing nonfiction or whatever. But it's just funny to me that as a fundamentalist, it never occurred to when I was a fun, as a fundamentalist when I was a fundamentalist, it never occurred to me that like if scripture is inerrant, then guess what? Everything's meaningless under the sun. Um, but that kind of ties in. I think the question that you'd written down, Brian, was about um, does it contradict with other scripture? Or oh, does it contradict, does it contradict with itself? Remember, does it contradict with other scripture or with itself? And I was I found it. Yeah, Apparently, it I deleted does. it. Um, I, it says in a, it says in Ecclesiastes that there is nothing new under the sun. What does that mean to you, and why? Yeah, and we we're saying does that. I think when we were discussing it, we were saying does that contradict with itself or with other scripture? And I, I guess it you know, does, right? Like if everything's meaningless, then well, if there's nothing new under the sun, then who cares? If, like Jesus came to yeah. What? Yeah, why? Jesus came to die for your sins. That's true. And guess what? That's meaningless, also. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. But why I think this, why I've always been fascinated with the book of Ecclesiastes, and I mean, I've always liked the wisdom literature because I remember in college and even seminary, Josh, when you and I and, and Kayleen, when we were in seminary, I mean, we always had to take Old Testament classes and, and New Testament classes. But with Ecclesiastes, it always seems when we dealt with wisdom literature we always kind of glossed over Ecclesiastes because I think Ecclesiastes is one of those books that most Christians or people who are deal with the Christian faith, we don't really know what to do with it. It's one of those books that it's in our canon, it's in our Holy Scriptures, but when it comes to the end of the day, if we're true to ourselves, we really don't know how do we deal with it. Maybe when we're happy... We don't read it. Maybe when we're kind of sad, depressed, something bad happened to us, whatever, we maybe take respite in it, and that's fine. But I've always felt that Ecclesiastes, and I mean, this was 2,000, according to history, the church history, this was 2,000 to 4,000 years before Christ was even on the scene. So we see the teachings of Jesus in the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, but then this precedes Jesus on the scene 2,000 to 4,000 years beforehand. And it's it's like this author, Koholeth, which I think is really interesting because when we read the Old Testament or New Testament, usually what scholars will say is we, we in, our, in our understanding, we know who wrote said book. We know who wrote these books. We know who wrote the New Testament. But when it comes to Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes lets themselves kind of be anonymous. And so people will What's say... Koholeth? What is that? Koholeth is like the the, the writer. The writer. What does it of, mean, though? We don't is know. Is this the name? Yeah, it's the name. Like, the person... The Koholeth. I mean, we, we, maybe maybe we can look it up, but Koholeth is kind of like the person writing it. Like, the author, it kind of... Maybe they're a ghostwriter of saying, like... I'm Koheleth because maybe the person writing it, he or she didn't want their name to I mean, be it was known. Written by multiple people. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, sure. or it could have been written I just, by multiple people. I was wondering yeah. that, what that word right. means. Right, no, I was no, thinking so, the same thing. I, you know, so. and, and it, some people spell it differently. I always was told it was spelled with a Q. When I was doing my research today for this talk, it was, you know, they said it was like K O instead of Q U. It, it, it's different, but I think, I think the message, what I get from. What kind of gives me some sort of hope or respite that I don't get kind of this existential angst is anything that we as humans 
that we deal with in this world, whether it's work, whether it's with family, whether it's with anything, relationships, whether it's with our faith, I what I take hope in it is there's nothing what I'm experiencing in my life that's new. That other human beings mm. before me, thousands of years before me, have dealt with the same exact crap that I'm going through. Okay, so can I add And I feel that that's, that's wisdom in it. There is wisdom in that. Can I add an introduction? Because Absolutely. I do think that we are experiencing things that nobody else has because of, of technology, because of social media, because of, um, you know, computers, other things like that. So, so I don't know. I feel like there's wisdom in what the Ecclesiastes is saying, but there's, there's also stuff that they never even dreamed of that we experience now. Yeah. So I don't know where that plays into this. I'm just throwing that out there sure. for kicks. Also, I found out um, oh, yeah. about the, the word kohelet is just the, the Greek translation of the Hebrew. So Ecclesiastes is the Latin translation of the Greek translation of the Hebrew kohelet, also written as kohelet or kohelet. Pseudonym used for the, for the, by the author of the book, but the author is attributed to King Solomon. Oh, that uh, but but sense. modern scholars sounds like he was bipolar, maybe because he had yeah. song with Solomon. It was, it's all lovey dovey. Kids when he was young, young and in love. Yeah. Well, he had a lot of women, so mm-hmm. a lot. So the modern God, scholars reject what this. What a patriarchal time, huh? Yeah. David with his concubines stealing Bathsheba. Trump with his harem. <laughs> the times they <laughs> have not been a change. They have not changed. No, not so much when it comes to that. I want to get this take from you guys while Brian's in the bathroom. Sure. So I have an idea. What if you could? <laughs> what if you could project to all humanity at once? Like you could, like uh, you could broadcast into their ears a yawn. You know how yawns are contagious. Mm-hmm. This reminded me because Kayleen yawned just a second ago to make me yawn. Mm-hmm. What if you could broadcast a yawn to everyone, like in your state at once? And then they all yeah, and then they all oh, and then they all yawn. And while they're yawning and they're all distracted, you have this big heist planned, and you like you, like, you pickpocket everyone at once, oh, and like or like you you pull off some big heist, like big planned heist because you make everyone yawn at the same time. What do you guys think? Feedback. The floor is open for questions. Wow, you really just. I think while everyone is yawning, I'd punch him in the tongue. <laughs> is that what you would do? Poke him in the tongue. So here it goes. It's working. You know what you're making me Because <laughs> you're vulnerable when you're yawning, right? It's true. So, like, what if you made you made everyone yawn at once? And then you just, like... Kind of like the brown note in South Park? Yeah, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the what in South Park? The brown note. Oh. Uh. <laughs> you just... <laughs> Way to go on the tangent. I haven't derailed this in a long time. I just I know to... you wanted to. It was yeah. good. It was, what, did it I, was, what did I miss? It wasn't as you'll like you'll, you'll hear when you listen as back. it has been in the past. Yeah, I, this is I was than usual. No one, no one really knows who wrote it, uh, but they think it, they attributed it to King Solomon. But here's the, the thing that you missed. So. so it's from a Greek translation of the Hebrew, Latin translation of the Greek or, translation let, of the Hebrew okay. translation. The English translation of the Latin translation of the Greek translation of the Hebrew translation. Calls it Kohelet. Wow. Cool. Interesting. Glad you. That's telephone. Through different cultures and time. But we, uh, but we didn't have 
a literal meaning of that word, though? That's just, that's the name of the book. That's just the name. Yeah. Oh. So it's Solomon. Well, that's you know, for the mythology, I kind of like that idea that it was Solomon that that he had the highs and he had the lows. You know, uh, it's very relatable. It's very emo. I was an emo boy. Maybe still am a little bit. Listen to screamo music. I know we all. Mm-hmm. Why are we? All, why is everyone on their phones right now? I'm Should I be on my? Am I supposed to be on I'm my phone? I'm looking at my questions. What you, what's your next question? I guess my question. I mean, I guess we're going through our questions a little bit quicker than I thought. Because um, when I came up with these questions, then I let Caleb know. He's like, "Oh, this each question is going to last like an hour, and we're only a half hour in, and we're almost done." Um, which is fine, I guess. Um, I guess my question <laughs> that I've thought about, and even in my study in seminary, is what I kind of brought up a little bit earlier, is when we deal with wisdom literature, and when we, obviously, to me, it makes sense, like Psalms, even, whether some of the Psalms I like or not, that's wisdom literature. Okay, I get that. Job, wisdom literature. The story of Job, I get that. Proverbs. Whether I like everything in Proverbs or not, that the you know Proverbs are are great. They give us kind of like words of wisdom to live mm-hmm. by. Um, I mean, that's in essence what Proverbs a proverb remi- is. remind me of, or the uh, the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament reminds me of Confucian sayings or proverbs. Confucius, Con- yeah, Confucian, yeah, Confu- like Confucian. related to Confucius. Yeah, yeah, you know, well, it's yeah, just like I agree. Nice little little handy hints, like. Um, if you have an extra penny that you don't need, put it in the save a penny, leave a, leave a penny, take a penny. True. You know, it's like nice little. Oh, well, that's that makes sense. But then, uh, don't don't fuck your neighbor's wife up the ass if he doesn't want you to, and she doesn't want you to. Oh, oh okay. You know, it's a nice little <laughs> helpful nice little, yeah. life hacks. Yeah, like eh, little hints. That's a good life hack. Uh, yeah. Leave it to Caleb to to go down there. I'm just saying that. No, no, I mean, really. No, but then, and then obviously with the Psalms and the Song of Solomon, to me those make sense why they're in the wisdom literature that they give us wisdom, and whether it's necessarily wisdom that we a hundred percent agree with or can see, like to me, in just my, I mean, yes, I'm seminary trained, but to me that is like, yeah, that okay, that kind of makes sense. But when I read Ecclesiastes, and I've read Ecclesiastes many times because it's, I mean, really not that long of a book. You can sit down for like less than an hour and get through the whole book. But literally when you read Ecclesiastes from chapter 1 to the end of it, it just seems very dark. It seems very nihilistic. It just seems very like, okay, there's nothing really that you're going to do in your life. You know, anybody, A through Z that you're going to do that's really going to make a hill of beans. That's really going to make a difference. And so kind of just deal with it. So that kind of makes me feel like not that the book is misplaced, but when it comes to like the wisdom literature, it kind of leads us to... Because like the way I was taught is like the Old Testament kind of leads us towards Christ, leads us towards the teachings of Jesus and, and, and the person of Jesus in the New Testament... And then when you read Ecclesiastes, like you kind of have to sit down and be like, "Wait, whoa, well, like whoa, where is this going?" And and, the, and sometimes where I take respite in it is Jesus in the New Testament. When you look, Jesus always asks questions. When someone asks the questions, whether it's religious people or not, 
when they ask a question like, oh, who are you, Jesus, or, or, or what is the meaning of this? Jesus always asks a question, and I feel like the author of you know Ecclesiastes, which is Koheleth, almost does that in the same way. It's kind of like asking questions. Yeah. Of like, so you have this question. Okay, great. Here's the answer. It's meaningless, and it's us to up. It's up to us as the readers and the hearer of the word to decipher what that necessarily end meaning uh-huh. is. For sure. One of the things that I that, that kind of landed with me was, I guess, disambiguating meaning, defining meaning with our postmodern lenses. I'm not saying like, oh, as we approach a postmodern yeah. society, we, we must reexamine meaning. I'm just saying like the fact that we are here right now where we are, what is meaning to us? Like meaningless, meaningless, or, or smoke, smoke, everything is smoke. Uh, or meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. You know, like what, what even is meaning? Like... Like I said earlier, is it survival or is it uh, is it a reason to get out of bed? Is it something predecided by a skyman, by a god, by a deity, a conscious uh, entity? What even is it? Is it a is it the goal in a video game? If we really break it down, what's the meaning? What is the meaning of Super Mario Brothers? To jump on the heads. Of turtles or Koopas and, and beat a level and and get some mushrooms, get some shroomies and beat a level and and beat to beat the game. I guess that's the meaning. So if the, if you apply that ethic to life, that simplified silly little comparison I just made, then what is the meaning? You know, uh, I'm not saying I, literally what is the meaning of life, but within that prism, within that that lens, then what would be the meaning of life? Like to what the American dream? Or, like, to help people? Or, like, to love people? And then it's, like... It's just kind of saying, like, what... How do we define meaning, I guess? And maybe that's the whole question and the whole rub of the book of Ecclesiastes is maybe what the author is saying in Ecclesiastes is, what is the point of life? And maybe they're just dropping that truth bomb straight down in, in, in the chapter... I mean, because it doesn't just say everything is meaningless. I mean, there's 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 obviously some pros and positivity in the book of Ecclesiastes, but in my in my opinion, when you read Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of just not. I'm not going to say darkness, but just a lot of like not sadness. For sadness, sure. yeah, yeah, sadness, negativity, lamentation. Like, yeah, yeah, ironically, yeah, that's another like, one. Like, lament, yeah, and lament, and lamentations <laughs> is another book of the Bible. But maybe, maybe the what Ecclesiastes <laughs> is trying to do is literally just asking the question, and maybe it's preluding to what Jesus did when Jesus was teaching. Um, Jesus's thoughts and teachings was Jesus was always good at asking questions. Someone would ask him, "Oh, teacher, teacher, you know, or Rabbi, what would you think about this?" And Jesus was never really like, "Oh, here's my you know crystal clear answer." Jesus' answers were always more confusing in a way. And maybe 2,000 to 4,000 years before Christ was on the scene was in a prelude of, like, really, what do you, what do you people, the Hebrew people, what do you think the meaning of life is? And and that, to me, makes sense why it's in the wisdom literature, because that's really, like, a question that I still think, two thousand, you know, like, maybe four to 6,000 years later... That humans still struggle with, with like sometimes if we just sit back and think, 
what is the meaning of our lives? Why are we all here, not just in the sacred collective, but why is every human being, why are we here on earth? Like, why do we exist? Why do we take up this vapor? Why, why do we take up all these cells and, and, and these things that make us our individual selves? And I think in a way, that's what Kohalith is you know, asking in Ecclesiastes is, why are we here? I have a good one. What are we doing? Building off that, Brian. What if we all went around and we say, what do we th- posit, or how would you answer the question, what is the meaning of life, capital L, and then what is the meaning of your life? Oh, gosh. I'll start. That's a really hard question. Meaning of life? I know. It's, I, I don't even have a, I haven't even prefabbed an answer in my head. Maybe that's what Kohlath wants us to answer. Meaning of life, capital L, I think is everything is is everything balancing out not in a spiritual sense but like literally uh, electrons and protons pulling towards each other and then stars burning themselves out and just becoming cold and then everything just neutralizes and it's just it's just probably nothing is what I think capital L because that's what I see happening around me and that's why matter holds itself together and we'll I think everything's it's probably evaporating it is but a smoke everything is smoke to quote the scriptures in the message translation of the Bible, the me uh, the meaning of personal of my personal life. Uh, this is a little bit more esoteric because I guess that's why I spend so much time podcasting and stuff like that. I, a lot of it, I think, is is uh, processing, like processing what I've been born into, maybe, and uh, help and trying to help other people process, not in an uh, not in a selfless altruistic way, but just. Because it make you know it makes me feel good and it helps me to process and quote unquote deconstruct reconstruct whatever terms you want to use, um, and so yeah, that's my answer, Brian. What do you think? Put me in the spot. Um, I love to do that. Why I think I do to myself me- too, though. What are the meaning of life? I mean, partly is not to sound kind of crude and crass, but. My parents made love and had sex, and I am the product of that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's how we're all here. Being as, alive you know, is. Well, no, it, literally, <laughs> if you think about it, like, I mean, that's how my daughter's here is my wife and I had sex, and we got pregnant, and here's our child. You can just replicate. And, yeah, I mean, part of life is replicating, if you choose to have kids, is to replicate a part of who you are as a human being, not fully... You, because you're like I would say you're halfsies or however your DNA meshes to make your child. Um, so I think as like for me, I look at it as I'm part of something that my parents made, which is me, and I choose to live my life following the teachings of Jesus. Whether and like Caleb and I, we've talked about this off mic many times of. What does that even mean? Like the teachings of Jesus, whether that means you believe in the resurrection and and everything of Jesus, or you just believe in the teachings of Jesus, whether you believe in, like you said, you know, Caleb as a sky man or what, that's irrelevant. But I do think what I try to do as a human being is I try to live the best possible way of, of taking the teachings of Christ and and, mimic, and mimicking them uh-huh. to people around me is that your I'm sorry is that your personal meaning of life or is yeah that yeah the, that's my personal okay. meaning of life sorry that's my personal meaning of life I guess and like I would say to every human being 
no human being on this planet really chose to be to be here. That's true. Honestly, if you think about it, like we're here because two people that cared about each other and loved each other had sex and were the product of it. I mean, literally biologically speaking. Maybe not maybe not always. Not always, yes. Yeah, not always, but I mean, obviously, if you look at biology, that's that's how if you humans... look at biology. Yes, not always love. Yes, right. No, so. correct. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that's I was wrong of saying that, but <laughs> uh, of when you know, obviously, we, as humans, we know that when you have sex, you have the uh, a possibility of creating life, and obviously, my parents chose to have kids, and I was a product of it. So that's how I became here on on this earth. But I guess my meaning of life would be to, for me myself, to mimic the teachings of Christ to the best ways that I can, even though I feel miserably at it a lot of times. But to, not not just that, but like as a parent myself, it's to try to be the best damn parent that I can be. Mm. And that's a good meaning. It's great meaning. And and I look at that, and I mean, I remember in hindsight looking at my mom and dad. And looking at them and being like, how how did you be like? How did you know you wanted to be a parent, or how are, are you going to parent? And I look at that now, and I look at all the things that I did when I was in like my teens and my tw- like early twenties and my mid twenties, and when I became a dad at thirty four. And I look at all the crap that I did, and and now knowing that I'm a parent, and you know I go to work every day, like I'll go to work tomorrow, and. For me, you know, 15 years ago, thinking like, oh, God, I'm just going to be working stiff and I'm going to have to, like, make this money so I can put a roof over my kid's head and that's all I'm going to be. Like, that gave me, like, this existential dread of, like, I don't want to live life if this is what it is. But now all these years later and actually having, in a way, like a miniature me in Mm -hmm. life as as my daughter... It goes. It's hard to describe unless you're in that headspace and unless you're in that that world. And as right now, the only one here that has a child, um, in as the podcast, like it's hard to describe. But that gives me so much meaning in my life as being a parent. Of you, when you're a parent, you realize my life is not just my life. My life is being a parent. My life is being a dad. My life is being a husband, and there are all these hats that you have to wear, and it's fine, and it's great. It's something that you deal with, and and not everyone is going to be a parent. Not everyone wants to be a parent. Not everyone is going to be a parent, and that's absolutely fine. But I know for me, personally, that's a meaning of life. A big meaning of life is how am I going to give to my children the best possible life that I can give them as a parent. Mm. Lead them with good wisdom, with good teachings, with good ways to live life, and 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 that I can instill that into them. And then when they have kids, and I'm a grandparent or great grandparent, that you know they can go back and say, "Oh yeah, you you know your grandpa or your great grandpa or great grandmother said this." Mm. And that's good. Yeah. How old do you think Ava will be before you let her listen to these episodes of, the, of this podcast? I don't know. Uh, I'm very open, and and I don't know the way I, I would be fine, but probably by I, mean, I don't know maybe as an early teenager because fifty five. 
55 years old. I would say probably 13 or 14. Yeah, sure. Just because, like, I have my nieces, um, especially, like, my brother's kids that I'm really close to just because they live so close to me, is they're, like, 11, 12, or 11, 14, and 16. They hear, they hear crude language every day at school. And... And they they understand things like the stuff we're saying is no different than stuff that people say at school. For sure. So I think that's uh, fine. And I think my my nieces my nieces know me and where I think. So yeah, Joshua. <clears throat> oh. I don't want to reproduce, so that's why no one can feed me after midnight, and I shouldn't get wet. Ha <laughs> ha! Gremlins joke. No. I got it. I got it. I'm running a joke all day, man. Um, guess they're singing New York, New York. What do they? Ca- what do they call them before they're gremlins? The the race or the sp- species? No, yeah, they're called yeah. something else. Like the Mike, the Mike Y or something. Mike Y. Mike Y. That's an old reference yeah. right there. Bringing it back in the eighties. Were we even born yet? I don't know. Came out in eighty four. Right? Eighty four. I was one. I was one. I've been half a year old. I was not. I was but a simple semen in my father's ball sack. I was <laughs> one. Caitlin was like you. three. I was three. Yeah, probably in three. eighty-four. I I've seen parts of that movie, but not the whole thing. You should so. you should watch it anyway. The bi- scared the crap on me. No, one. It's awesome. Gremlins are just us. Awesome. They just do the things that people most people behave badly. Gremlins two is silly. Gremlins two is is, is rad. Um, the uh, okay, so meaning of life, Big Al. Um, I'm not convinced there is one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I have anything else intelligent to say on that. So um, it's meaningless. Why are you quoting scripture at us now? Yeah, I'm quoting scripture at you. Being my fundamentalist friend. Um, <laughs> Whoa. <man. laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not opposed to there being one. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, not, like, sure. It's sure. not like that's not a hill I'm willing to die yeah. on. It's just I like, like what you said I before, too, is, is like, if I get to... Like, I don't believe in an afterlife, but if after I die... God is like my good and faithful servant. Thank you for feeding me and clothing me and this and that. Then I won't be upset. You yeah, know? yeah, that's nice. Yeah. I like yeah. That. Sorry, it's the same way. Like if if there is a, a well, I think that this is funny. So uh, this just brought me all the way back to uh, junior high, watching the show Angel. Remember, oh, yeah. Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. I think it's episode six, season one. It's called Epiphany. I don't know why I know that. Yeah, what did you? Josh is not on his phone right now for the listener. This is just off the dome. He says, "If there's no great glorious end to all this, and there's nothing that what we do because nothing matters, then the only thing that matters is what we do because that's all there is." Mm -hmm. I find something beautiful. That That is actually very beautiful. I find something beautiful in that. So, so for me, like, so I've surrounded my life with. Helping the underprivileged, um, like feeding the hungry, uh, in trying to be in my community and uh, help as much as I can. So that's what I find meaningful right now. Um, it, the only problem with that is it's it, it's often feels meaningless because it never gets any better. Mm-hmm. And so it's like it's that's why I loved Mark said that last when we interviewed him a couple weeks ago when he said you know Daniel Berrigan said at the end of the day all you have is the bread and the cup. You know, like you did as much good as you could. And who was the other theologian? He was it Sole? He was quoting another. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 saying basically, she does as much as she can during the day, and then when the day's over, 
You just got to forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's just a wash. You know, yeah. like you can't take it home with you. And I'm, I'm learning that slowly because when you take that kind of pain home with you every day, you just can't. You can't handle it. We're not equipped as humans to be that apathetic. So, but you also can't let yourself be so hardened that you just become like, yeah, same shit every day. This guy's fucking hungry. This guy's hungry. Let's feed them. Let's feed them. Mm-hmm. You just do the best you can and try to make treat people with as much dignity as you possibly can without burning yourself out, which is a tight rope. Yeah. Fine line. Yeah, you have to be careful. Kaylee. Oh gosh, you guys like drink the end of this. Um, I'm not nearly as. You you can just say yes and no. I'm not nearly as philosophical as you guys are. The first thing that came into my brain is if we're going to look for meaning in something and the big life, if we're going to call it the big L. Then I'm gonna look for meaning in love. The L word. You know, <laughs> the L word. That just reminded me of the big M from Lust Control. Oh god. No, the old eighties yeah. Anti anti masturbation Christian song. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Wow, thank you for the that. The big M. Did you bring that up in like our second episode or something? Yeah, probably. Wow. Well, huh. we talk about purity culture. Thank you. Anyway, big L, Kaylee. Thank you. Big L. Thank you for that, Josh. I appreciate that. That was a really good, you know, segue. <laughs> Kayleen, you're saying the meaning of life is masturbation? Is that what you're saying? What? What, what, up, what is, what is <laughs> the meaning of life to you in the big L? Life so like the big life. L. Well, if, if, at the end of the day, all we have is the love that we have for each other. Hmm. So, and you know, Jesus would, if I'm going to go into the whole piece where you know, love God, love others, nothing else matters. That's kind of been something that I, that's I've found a lot of meeting mm, in. Mm-hmm. And I know that other organizations that I have admired and how they work with the poor also have found meeting in. So, you know, we can all be all mad at each other. We can disagree with each other. But if we don't love each other at the end of the day, then what's the point? There's no point. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't see there's no meaning outside of that so hmm. if i'm gonna go with that that's the that's what came into my brain for my own life i try to live that same philosophy i, I fail miserably at it because i am flawed but that's what i try to do that's great so that's really good do you want to take a swing no okay <laughs> Amanda came in at the tail end of that conversation, so... I've been watching a toddler like a hawk potty training the last three yeah, days, Yeah, it's so exhausting, huh? that's, that's, My brain is just kind of fried. That is the meaning I'm of life for Amanda right on now. someone's bladder and they're mm-hmm. falling. <laughs> that's the meaning of life right now for you, is... Why are you obsessed with two-year-olds' bladders and colons, Amanda? <laughs> Why do you always talk about that? <laughs> No, and I mean, I guess one of the reasons I find this topic fascinating, and I've always been fascinated with, and this isn't a question, it's more of, I guess, a thought, and so whether us here physically or any any people who are listening online, um, and I would say to anybody listening online, either Instagram us, you know, tweet at us, go to our Facebook site, and really comment to us of why 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 you think or not why but what is the meaning of life to you 
because we're we want to you know engage with our listeners and people of of because uh, I mean it's a huge thing because I mean we we always get I think we get bogged down with like the teachings of Jesus and what Christ did but when you look at Ecclesiastes I mean when you look at historically this book was written at least two to three to four thousand years before Christ was on the scene. So people were dealing with these existential, I mean, that's what they are, dealing with these existential questions before Christ even came on the scene, before what who Christians, you know, take as like, this is our holy person. Thousands of years before Christ was even on the scene, people were asking these questions of like, what? why am I here? You know, not not just why am I here, but not 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 just why am I here, but what is what is my purpose? What am I so, supposed to do? And I think if we're all true to ourselves in like our gut and in our heart, we think that sometimes. Like, why am I here? We know we're here because our parents had sex, and we're the product of that of that union. We're the product, whether they whether we're an oops baby or whether we were a planned baby. Honestly. Test that, tube baby. That's why we're here. Is because uh, biologically speaking, we're here because two people love you know cared about each other. Most likely, not always, and that's why we're here. But also, now that we're here in this earth, whether we wanted to be or not, what are we going to do within our life? Mm-hmm. And not just what we're going to do within our life, but and so and then that can be another question is. What do we do? Like what I'm doing right now as my day job, I don't love. I I like that it pays us money and puts a roof over our head and pays our bills and gives us food and sustenance and all that stuff. But is that what the meaning of life is, or is the meaning of life of breaking bread? Like what Josh was saying with like the what Daniel Berrigan said back in the '60s is at the end of the day, all that we have is the cup of salvation and in the bread of life if, the, if is that the end of the day if that's what we have maybe or is it that we have each other like what you were saying Kayleen that we if we don't love each other and work with each other what do we have so I think everything what we've said is true is in what I think is so so pivotal and I think what's so important is why I think in my opinion Ecclesiastes is a wisdom book is just asking that fundamental question is why do why are we here? Why do we exist? What are we doing? And that predates Christianity and the teachings of Christ by thousands of years because it's asking the question is like it's fine if you follow Christ and the teachings of Christ and that's great but if you can't answer the question of why do you exist? Why are you here? What are you doing? If we can't answer that question first, why are we believers in this teachings of Christ? That's just got deep. I don't know if that's an answerable question, but I think that's kind of what it leads to. Yeah. I think that um, some people probably... the I say this all the time, is that I feel like I was kind of born into into rubble and I'm trying to build a hut out of that I'm trying to build a shelter I think some people probably think that they're maybe the nihilists might say they're born into rubble and and it's just all it's just all effed forever mm-hmm. 
And then, you know, maybe some idealists or some people might say that, or privileged people, I guess, might say that, oh, they're born into a mansion. Maybe survival? And then how you approach survival and then your circumstances and the adaptations that you have to take for survival might be adjacent to what I'm trying to get get down to. But, um... I don't know. Any other probing thoughts or questions before we do recommendations? Then this, I mean, this can get heavy, and I don't think when you deal with Ecclesiastes that's... I think what's awesome about Ecclesiastes is it doesn't give us a firm end-all... You know, I think it just... It purposely gives us questions without answers, and the answers is we as humans have to make up for ourselves. I think I realized tonight... This is... I'm Sorry, I'm just kind of... I just had to stop in my head. I think I realized it, it could be fun to think that the Bible is inerrant. And, um... Are we being too loud? It could be fun to think the Bible's inerrant and then... And then have to reconcile that with Ecclesiastes being a part of the Bible. That could be a, a fun little mental exercise of, like, how do you reconcile these things. I'm sure if we have any to to our many, many Calvinist listeners out there, I'm sure they can or ap- apologists fundamentalist apologists, I'm sure they can give me a nice answer to that. How everything can be meaningless and also you have to say a sinner's prayer or something like that, but <laughs> um, which we don't believe in that here. Well, it's okay if people do. Yeah. True. Anyway, we, we might come back to this topic in the future but I always I just thought um, and talking to some of the other people in the in the SC in the Sacred Collective that this would be an important thing to talk about because um, I feel like when we talk about Old Testament stuff a lot of times we just gloss over it or we just look at the violence and the bloodshed and a lot of the shit that we disagree with which is fine we can disagree with it but I've always thought with Ecclesiastes it's that one book in the Old Testament that's just kind of that book that just deals with questions and it's not a book that gives us answers but kind of like okay it's in your court what do you think the meaning of life is everything that you've done in your life Caleb or Josh or Brian or Kayleen like nothing that you've done in your life is really new what you've done people every there's someone or some group of people who've done what you've done in your life not, and not to say poo poo to what you're doing because it's important with what every one of us are doing but nothing that we've done is new underneath the sun and not to say that as a negative but to say you're a, a one of many people who've done this and if this is what you feel your calling is or what you're passionate about keep doing it that'd be a good Christian metal chorus Nothing we've done is new underneath the sun. Nothing we've done is That could be like a living sacrifice underneath the sun. Or tourniquet. You better get some uh, some money for that. <laughs> yes, you should. Um, but uh, we're going to do some recommendations. And then I have an announcement at the end about some future guests. But who wants to start with recommendations? I have one. It's a new, uh, it's a song by my new favorite band that goes, Nothing is done. <laughs> it's new. Okay, I lost it. You're trying to pull No, I don't have any recommendations. 
A um, couple of recommendations I have. Um, I love Netflix and Amazon and Hulu. And apparently this week I've been in a rom-com, romantic comedy um, type of mood. I don't know why. It just usually happen to you. It, no, it doesn't. I usually like <laughs> action or sci-fi. But there's I don't think one... I've ever heard you say that, so... <laughs> that's fine. Um, you know, we. I like good rom-coms. Um, there's one that I just watched today on my breaks at work. Um, it was called Then Came You. And the main actors in there is Aja Butterfield. He was in Hugo and some other... He's a British guy. And then Maisie Williams, who most people know as Arya Stark on Game of Thrones. Um, and it, and it's she's the the premise of she's a, a young teenage girl who's dying of cancer who has a bucket list and meets Aja Butterfield in a cancer class a cancer support group um, and he's a hypochondriac he doesn't have cancer and she be, she befriends him and he's with her and they kind of. Like, have, they have this love uh, as a plutonic friendship love, not as a sexual thing. And it just shows you, like, the power of friendship, the power of life and death and mm. and all that. And it was very, very good, very fascinating. So I highly recommend that. And it's only about an hour and a half, hour, 40 minutes. So if you have the time to watch it, uh, I think it's really good. It was a re- just really, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a very emotional Individual, so I got a little teary eyed. Um, so I think it's just fascinating, so I recommend it. The other thing is, I, I love podcasts, I listen to podcasts at work. And one podcast that I absolutely love that I actually told Caleb off mic about that I highly recommend it's a podcast called Mega, uh, like a mega church, so N E G A. And why are you recommending MAGA pro- Mega, podcasts? not. Why do, you, why do you love all these red Donald Trump hats? So no, much, I don't man. like mega. <laughs> I like mega. So like mega church. It's N E G A. Look it up on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Are you a proud and boy, Brian? Shut up. I will not <laughs> go to that. Whoa. This podcast is Wowzers. is put on by uh, by comedians, and it makes fun of uh, certain parts of Christianity. So if you're a Christian that gets offended by people who make fun of Christianity, don't listen to it. But it's this these every week it's different. But it's the two co-hosts. Uh, one's an Australian guy and one's an American, and they're in this fictitious mega church in Indiana, and they literally just make fun of fundamentalist conservative Christianity, and they have like guest speakers guest host every week and it's absolutely laugh out loud like a riot fest so if you are in the mood for uh it's irreverent in a lot of ways but if you are fine in your own faith wherever you're at in your faith of having people that pick pick fun or pick on or make fun of that i would highly recommend it um I feel like I feel like a lot of our listeners would enjoy it. It's not making fun of Christianity. It's just making fun of people who are so blindly following Christianity that they don't ask questions um, about it. So mega M E G A. Well, I'm trying to think of the things that I recommended, and I just finished Veronica Mars' 
season four before I came mm-hmm. over here, mm-hmm. and I'm a little shook right now. So it's it, it's good. It's dark, much darker than it was bef- in when it was first premiered. Why are you shook? I can't tell. Uh, you know, give away stuff. I'm not going to give stuff okay. away. Uh, you're okay. No about, spoilers. You're not shook in about life. You're just shook about the about show. About Veronica oh, Mars. Show, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, not about life. So. I'm going to prioritize both of you guys' recommendations this week. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, well Veronica I just, Mars I just is trust only, you guys' taste. Honestly. Veronica Mars is only eight episodes, like too. So it's not, not a lot. I recommend air conditioning. <laughs> Well, which we're going to turn on the air conditioning after this episode's over because it would it was too it loud. would taint the integrity of our. It podcast. was noisy. Is that, it's is, not... that, is that your recommendation? Is air conditioning okay? Fair. Um, I recommend kissing Brian. Okay, my announcement. <laughs> my announcement. Uh, it's fine if you want to kiss me. Send your prayers and stares and. And and uh, kisses. I would say we would take your money over your kisses. Yeah. Any day. That's our. No, that's our cash. But our, I would say before we sign off, we Caleb and I have diligently been um, through the networking, whether on Instagram or Twitter or our Facebook. We have five interviews lined up um, coming up. That good ones too. Good ones. Unlike our others. Uh, all of our, all of just our, joking. All, all of our, our interviews have been guests. great. Don't yes. put that out there. I'm just joking. Um, we have people who are in the progressive movement within Christianity. I have um, uh, uh, an academic dean of a seminary here in the Twin Cities that's going to be on, kind of talking about seminary and how it's changing. We're going to have uh, the person who asked us to be on their podcast hosting network that's going to be on. And I'm going to actually have a pastoral friend, a colleague of mine in the ministry, who wa- who was went into the monastery as a Catholic nun, who was going to take her vows of celibacy and ended up falling in love with her mother superior, marrying her and becoming a United Church of Christ minister. It's an epic story. Uh, it's a beautiful story. It's a lovely story. She's going to be on in a couple of weeks. So, if you like what we're doing, please continue to listen to us, and we're going to be in your ear holes for the next couple of weeks with some good interviews, so uh, stay tuned. Cool. Till next time. Out. Bye. Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at sacred underscore mn. That was a post-Christian podcast.